0: everybody and welcome to this week's edition of train like a trooper. I am joined by my co-host trooper Eric Foster and we have a guest with us today. um, Lieutenant Chris Lyles who is with our Oklahoma Highway Safety Office. So that's a part of Department of Public Safety and we have troopers that are assigned to the to the Highway Safety Office Um, and your title I believe or you're over occupant protection. Is that correct?
1: Occupant Protection Coordinator.
0: Occupant Protection Coordinator. And that's basically a fancy way of saying, wear your seatbelt.
1: I coordinate with this agency and other agencies to do seatbelt enforcement emphasis. I get to distribute among the field troops in the state overtime funds for seatbelt enforcement shifts.
0: So, you know, we're talking about seatbelts, um, I know I've talked to lots of troopers. And, Eric, we've talked about this before on... You know, we're like, oh, it's just a seatbelt, or people don't think about it very much on just how important that is and how much that single factor plays into crashes that you guys investigate and that you see every day.
2: And I know as troopers, you know, the crashes I've worked sometimes that are um, a major injury crash were slow speed. And we find out later it's just because they didn't have their seatbelt on. You know, they didn't have it's something so simple just to strap it down to keep you in. Uh, you know, the passenger compartment of the vehicle, which is designed to take the impacts. And a lot of times a slow speed will cause a great injury if they're not wearing their seatbelt, that where they would have no injury at all if they had been, you know, just secured.
1: As far as technology has come with cars, uh, they, they are safer now than they've ever been. Still, the seatbelt belt is the very centerpiece of the safety of that car. It is all built around that passenger restraint system. The, the airbags don't function as designed if you're not wearing a seatbelt. The, the crush zones don't work without your seatbelt. So it, every safety system in the vehicle is built around the seatbelt.
0: Revolving around that, something that's not even technical at all. Compared to all the other gadgets and things we have in the cars today. Exactly.
1: It's 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 it straps you into the seat and it keeps you from moving out of that seat and more importantly, out of the vehicle.
0: Let's kinda of start with the basics, Lieutenant, and kinda of tell what what is the law in Oklahoma when it comes to seatbelts?
1: If you're in a front passenger, front driver or passenger seat of a passenger vehicle or commercial motor vehicles, you have to have your seatbelt on. And it has to not just be worn. It has to be worn properly. So no, we we see a lot of people wear the shoulder strap underneath the arm because they don't like it rubbing on their neck or or something like that. But it has to be worn over your shoulder, and that's by design. And it's because if you wear it under your arm, the seatbelt does not go across one of the strong points in your body, which is your sternum, and uh, and you actually get injured, other injuries outside of this crash itself so from the seatbelt when it's not worn properly.
0: This has been something that I know. Different groups in our state have tried to change, but we, we do not require people in the back seat to be buckled up no matter their age.
1: Children under the age of eight have to be in uh, seat belts or child restraint system anywhere they are in a car. But right now, the current law in Oklahoma, and it's, it, there's been a lot of work to try to get this changed through our legislature. Uh, if you're eight, to age 17, uh, you're not required to be restrained in the backseat of a
0: car. You've seen this played out, I'm sure in like crashes that you guys have worked where, have you seen it? Where there like children in the back that were not buckled in?
1: Either they weren't buckled in or they were improperly buckled in uh, with the child safety restraint systems. Uh, I can think of several really bad crashes and even fatality within the last two years where an infant was injured or even killed They were in a car seat, but the car seat was not. They weren't properly restrained in the car seat and they were able to slip out.
0: And I know that, you know, there's been some it's been difficult to get that law changed in our state. And we talk about that. This is a law in our state. But there are a lot of people you know in our state and I guess around the country that that don't agree with that law or don't agree with the government's um, ability to require them to do that. They feel like it's a personal choice. That's where a lot of people feel that way.
1: They absolutely do. Um, I, I don't want to infringe on a person's rights or the personal choice, but the I've made enough notifications to family members and I think at that point in time they would say, I really wish they would have had their seatbelt on. It's personal choice, but I bet they wish that was that law was a little enforced a little bit stricter on that particular occasion.
2: And I know, Sarah, you and I have talked about, you know, a, a specific crash that I worked, you know, many years ago where it was a slow speed. It was two teenage, two, na- two teenagers driving in a pickup truck, single cab pickup truck, and it was a slow speed. They left the roadway and they rolled over, and the passenger didn't have her seatbelt on, and she was thrown out the window in the direction of the momentum of the truck. So she's thrown ahead of where it's rolling, and, of course, the truck rolls over Nobody, you know, the driver was restrained and she was fine, not even a scratch on her because it was such a slow speed, but because the passenger didn't have a seatbelt on, you know, we ha- now we have a fatality. And there was no reason for it um, other than, you know, just a simple, just uh, pulling it down and, and wearing a seatbelt.
0: Lieutenant, you said, I know you prepared like some, or you came, you looked up some statistics for us um, before you came over here, and we do have some information on different um, crash data from twenty nineteen. I know you guys don't have all, all the numbers from twenty twenty compiled yet, but let's talk about some of those things from twenty nineteen.
1: Well, so in twenty nineteen, there were six hundred and forty fatalities on Oklahoma roadways. Of those, two hundred and eight were unrestrained.
0: It's a pretty good. Percentage I mean, there
1: is—is is there a hundred percent guarantee that all two hundred and eight would have survived had they been restrained? I can't hundred percent guarantee that, but I bet it's fair to say ninety-five percent of those fatalities would not have been fatalities had they been restrained in their cars. And just, just like true uh, Foster was just talking about right now. Uh, I've worked several fatality crashes where I found the fatality driver or passenger. 20 to 30 yards away from where the vehicle is it was an entirely survivable crash because the passenger compartment is literally unfazed a seat belt prevents that
0: so if a, if you're in a crash and a vehicle rolls and you're not in a seatbelt, is it a pretty good percent chance that you're going to be ejected from that vehicle
1: there's a high percentage that not only could you be ejected but it's almost guaranteed that you're going to be injured it's it's a rarity that someone's in a rollover unrestrained and are not injured. We have videos of people that were in crashes, uh, you can look them up on YouTube and it it basically shows what happens. Uh, where they end up in their car that they, they're they're rarely behind the driver the steering wheel anymore. They're in a the back seat crumpled up.
2: And just think about it, you know, if you're sitting in a passenger compartment, you're completely surrounded by glass. You know, that is immediately going to break free and it's going to be open air as soon as you, you know, leave your four wheels. So, whatever speed that is. And so, there's literally nothing holding you in that vehicle. And especially with the momentums that we see, uh, you know, it's hard to even comprehend the type of force that is exerted even in a slow
1: speed crash.
0: Mm-hmm. What kinds of things do you guys hear from people? You know, if you pull them over and they're not wearing their seatbelt, what do they tell you? The reasons are they're not wearing their seatbelt.
1: Everybody knows someone that had a roommate who had a cousin <laughs> that had they been in a seatbelt, they would have not have survived that crash. Um, and if I'm wearing my seatbelt, there's a good chance I'm going to catch on fire. And and then they tell me this story from the 1960s and and, you know maybe in 1960 that might have been a been an issue but the seat belts now are designed so you can get out of them fairly easily in an emergency situation or push button and they're 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 not difficult to get out of i hate to say this but police officers aren't real good about wearing their seatbelts. Uh, i'm not going to say that about troopers because i've actually never seen a trooper without their seatbelt, but i see police officers all over the place with no seat belts and, and they, they say well i want i need to be able to get out of my car should an emergency arise? And, uh, well, we train to get out of our seatbelts. And we can get out of our cars just as fast as anybody else. It's, it's, it's just part of the getting out of the car. So it's a, that's a sad st- statistic right now. And I don't have numbers, but I know that there are police officers still that do not wear their uh, seatbelts. That's something we hope to change as a culture.
2: I know as our agency, we really, you know, we train that from the beginning. The moment we're in a car, you know, we're, we're putting on seatbelts and we actually train. We spend muscle reflex training how to get out of the vehicle as soon as you put it in park, and it's it's very automatic. A lot of times you'll you won't even know it. You're out of the car, and you're like, "How did I get out of the car so fast?" But it's just because it's trained that way, and anybody can do that. I mean, it's the same thing with putting the seatbelt on. You know, it'd be hard for me to remember too if it wasn't a habit. You know what I mean? So when you get in and you put it on, it's just it's habit, and uh, it keeps you it keeps you safe. One of the things I hear is the same thing. Oh, man, if it catches on fire or if I accidentally go into the water, you know, like when I hear that, they're not even around water. But if I go into water, I might be trapped, you know. And uh, we know that a half of 1% of all crashes are in a fire or water. So, I mean, statistically, that is not even a good argument.
1: It is so rare for a vehicle to explode in, on fire. I mean, because we are designed not to. There's safety features to prevent that. So it, it's, I can't think of a time where I've, I've seen a vehicle ex, where it appeared to explode on fire. I've seen burn vehicles, but it didn't happen at the snap of a finger. It, it,
2: and if it did, it, it wasn't time. the seat belt that you know kept him in the car. Normally, it was such a horrific crash.
1: The seat belt's not a guarantee. I mean, if you if you center punch a A large tree at a very high rate of speed that may not be a survivable crash but if you didn't have your seatbelt on it's guaranteed not to be survivable
2: and i know you've heard this too um, lieutenant but i've had people say well i'm just going around the block you know i'm just my house is right there i'm just going around the block and i'm not i'm on city streets just driving 25 miles an hour going around the block and we know that you know most of a lot of crashes uh, happen within 25 miles of ho- at home at speeds of less than 40 miles an hour you know and so the statistics just show us that that's not even a, a very good defense
1: you may be going around the block at 25 miles per hour but that doesn't say that there's not another car out there being driven at 70 miles per hour down that same street that's not going to find you
0: right you ever pulled somebody over before when they weren't wearing their seatbelt, but then when you got up there to the, talk to them, their seatbelt was on? Yes. <laughs> what do they, they say in that instance?
1: See, I, was I it. had it
0: on the whole yeah, time. They, say, I, they,
1: they just tell you that I was wearing it. And then I just explained to them, so, I would not have stopped you had you had it on. Even in court, it's your word against theirs, unless you're at an angle where your in-car camera might have caught it. But that's a that's not and, uncommon,
2: and that's the other thing in state statute. It says that it must be worn properly. So even if it's affixed, and let's say it's affixed across your waist, but it's not over your shoulder, it's thrown behind you, that that is still in violation of the law. It's not worn
3: properly.
1: That is correct. I, mean, I was at a uh, car seat check. A driver pulled up, not to the car seat, but right, right there to ask him for directions. The seatbelt was literally buckled behind her.
0: Did you ask her about it?
1: Well, I, 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 I informed her that it should probably be worn on the other side of your body. That way it works.
0: So it's like she took the time to buckle it before she got climbed in? or Well, the
1: car chimes at you yeah, that's it's not Well, that's it's true. Annoying. She didn't that's want to hear annoying. that annoying
0: dinging. Well, there's your solution. So do you participate in a lot of, you said car seat check. Um, is that something that you do as well?
1: Uh, I do with uh, Safe Kids Oklahoma. Uh, that is an organization that, trains child protective protective seat technicians to properly install child restraint systems and because they are actually way more complex than you might know and they train and certify people to be able to do that and they have car seat checks where anybody can either schedule an appointment to have their seats installed correctly or oftentimes they have them where you just drive up and say hey can you inspect my car seat and what the CPS technician will do then is we will train that parent how to install that seat properly, teach them all the ins and outs of the particular seat with the age, height, weight child that uh, they have. And uh, it's always if if you're going to go to car seat check, it's a good idea to have your child with you because we put the child in the seat and we measure him to make sure the straps are going to be proper. Uh, We make sure that he fits in that seat, that the seat that you actually have is appropriate for his age and weight and height.
0: And I know. So my children are older now, but when they were younger, I did go to several of those. And I would ask for help because those are complicated things sometimes. And then these technicians would get in there like with their knee, like pushing down as hard as they can to get it in there really secure. You know, and you think you had it in there tight and then when they get it in there, it doesn't budge.
1: Right. And so. Speaking of the CPS technician program, I, I traditionally firefighters at fire stations uh, get the training and people will go to the firehouse to get the firefighter to inspect or install their seat. Uh, I, but I encourage any law enforcement officer to go through that training and get that certification because we see it pre-accident. Right. Uh, when a firefighter sees that, it's generally after the crash has occurred. And we see it on traffic stops, we see it in any kind of public uh, contact that we make, and we can actually solve that problem before it's exacerbated after the crash. I would, this is a form here, but I would say every law enforcement officer, if he doesn't at least go through the Child Protective System Technician class uh, to find some training on it, so he can look at a seat and say there's obvious problems I can fix this, and so and that would probably save a few lives in, in and of itself.
2: Yeah, that is very vital for troopers to be. You know, there there are troopers out there that that don't have kids either, and and so I know that parents that have kids are a little bit. They've had to do it, you know, so they've had to learn kind of on the fly. But there are troopers that haven't, and it'd be super vital, like you said, for them to learn. Wheat. we heard of a story this week of a trooper who actually stopped a car. The child was unrestrained was able to get the child restrained, it pulled away, and then gets a call to a head-on crash, that, that was that car they had just stopped. And, you know, it's um, you're right, we see it pre-crash, and it's it's our responsibility to really educate, but also to keep, you know, those innocent children safe, because, uh, you know, obviously, you know, they can't make that five-part horn- harness, uh, you know, strapped down, so...
1: No, they can't, and it's the, the parent or caregiver in this situation it may not be the parent. It may be an older sibling, an uncle, aunt, grandparent. It is the caregiver's responsibility to ensure that that child is safely strapped in the vehicle, and uh, because they can't make that decision for themselves, uh, so they need our, our help on that.
0: So back to seat seatbelts, um, it is the law in Oklahoma, and the front seat to wear the seatbelt, and then the younger children buckled up in the back. What's the penalty? What's the fine if, if somebody gets a seatbelt ticket?
1: It's $20.
0: Only $20? $20.
1: Only $20. Now, the, the fine is increased. Uh, I couldn't tell you the exact dollar amount. after There was a fine, and then it was court fees and costs. Now, it's significantly more expensive for child restraints, uh, citation, but for the actual seatbelt driver, front seat passenger that's anywhere from 8 to 17 years old, is $20.
0: We were talking that that can be an issue with somebody who really just doesn't, they'd rather pay that, they'd rather pay the ticket than right. wear their seatbelt.
1: I don't know what the fine should be to make it more of a deterrent effect. I'm. I'm fortunately, I'm not the person who gets to decide that. I'm very happy for that. However, um, $20 is kind of a pittance uh, for that type of violation.
0: And That is good to point out because we'll get that from people f- for time to time is that we, we don't make these laws. You guys just enforce them.
1: And that's exactly right. Uh, we uh, we don't get to write the laws. They would right. be written way different, <laughs> maybe way worse, <laughs> maybe maybe a lot better. I'm, there's no telling, but, but we are, don't do that.
0: Right, but you are required to uphold them, and you are required to enforce them. Yes. That's, it's, that's it's the a, role of the Highway Patrol.
1: It's, it's good to know the laws. Uh, the troopers in the state of Oklahoma are are pretty well-versed when it comes to the traffic code, especially when it comes to the seat belt laws and child restraint laws. And uh, so we, and we enforce them.
3: Now it's time for our question of the day, brought to you by the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Perkins, today's question is, if I'm only doing five over the speed limit, am I gonna get pulled over? I mean, it's only five miles per hour.
0: As troopers, we have discretion but five, five miles over the speed limit is over the speed limit. So there's really no other way to answer that question. We have discretion. Um, I guess the answer is yeah if you're violating the law fully expect to get pulled over. Thanks Lieutenant Perkins and now back to the podcast. What about like age range or, are older people more or less likely to wear their seat belts are younger you know kids who just got their licenses are they more are they more you know apt to wear their seat belts and we also do have we'd say Cody McDonald in in here with us with the highway safety office and he does public information for you all and Cody, you might know the answer to that.
3: Yeah, so looking at the data from 2019, um, males are most likely to be in an unrestrained fatality. I'm Looking at age ranges, 20 to 24 and 30 to 34 are the highest range uh, for males. And then for females, it's that 25 to 29 and the 35 to 39 age range. But males continue from 20 to 24 all the way through 55 to 59. And even into the late 70s uh, in age to be the highest age group involved in unrestrained fatalities.
0: Hmm, I'm the only female in the room. What does this say? I was going to make a comment. I'll refrain.
3: Science
1: says that the frontal lobe of a female uh, firms up way before a male's does. And that's why we have made some of the less intelligent decisions that we've made.
2: Don't (laughs) don't give my wife any ammo. Prior
1: (laughs) to the age of 25.
0: Uh, Well, all of it terrifies me because I have a a 15-and-a-half-year-old. She's a female that will soon be driving, but then I have a 14-year-old boy coming up right behind her, and honestly, that terrifies me even more.
1: I have a 16-year-old that is driving now and a 13-year-old right behind her.
2: And the real lesson is, you know, I've got preteens as well, and you tell them, hey, look, you might be making the right choice, but you aren't making the choice for everybody else. So you need to do what you can control because there are people out there that really don't care about you. So take care of yourself, you know, do what you can do.
0: Is, is the answer really, or really, and I know part of your role, is a lot of it's probably just education and, and letting educating people.
1: Education is vitally important. And we, we have to start that education as early as possible. And, and that, that's modeling the behavior uh, of your own children and the children that you care for. If you model that behavior, they're more than likely going to do what you do. Um, they're going to drive like you drive. If if you're a horrible driver, aggressive, anger management issues when you're driving, your kids will model that behavior. Uh, they, we, we are their mentors by default, not, not always by choice. You don't get to pick your parents, but uh, your kids are going to reflect their upbringing by you. And we have to start early. We try to get in schools. Uh, right now in the state of Oklahoma, there's a OK Safe project in high schools. And the uh, SAFE is an acronym for seat belts are for everyone. And right now there's only nine participating schools for this year throughout the state. And they're kind of spread out. But uh, So these are teen groups within the high school that educate their peers on the practice of driving safely wearing your seat belts and uh so the last week of february and the first week of march there's a two-week enforcement special enforcement period where we're going to be targeting uh seat belt enforcement in the areas where those schools are and uh, in a perfect world we're not going to write any seatbelt tickets right but we know we don't live in a perfect world so uh, we're, we're probably going to find some people that are unrestrained hopefully not the kids that are part of these programs because a it's a it's actually a highway safety office sponsored program so we're we're going to put some effort into that and and uh we hopefully um uh, depending on the pandemic situation we might be able to get into some of those schools and preach the wearing of seat belts
0: well that's cool that's so that's the last week of february and, the, and then you said that's scattered throughout the state
1: there are several schools up in the northeast part of state uh there are several in the southeast part and there's um, and there's kind of central uses mm-hmm. it's more eastern um i don't know why I'm not sure about the logistics on that but there there is a coordinator for ok safe uh that's office of Edmond at the dccca incorporated i do not know what that acronym is <laughs> okay. uh but she she helps these my uh, groups get organized and puts a lot of effort into it and it's an extremely difficult thing to do right now during the pandemic. But as a pandemic because the schools yeah. if the kids are actually going to school uh, they're closed uh, they're, we're not coming in to have access to the students to have these conversations with them uh, we're going to try to i think organize a virtual you know, i'm not i'm not sure how that is going to work at this point in time
0: well and you talk about like modeling it for like from parents modeling it for their kids but i'm sure that Peer to peer and like using peer pressure goes a long way too. If you see that other kids your age are doing that.
1: Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you right now, the cool kids are wearing their seatbelts.
3: There
0: you go. You heard it here first.
3: (laughs) One of the neat things about the Oklahoma Safe uh, program and what they do in the Oklahoma Challenge um, they do an observation survey of the students. So the students will go out there with their reflective vests and clipboards, and they'll watch other students, faculty, parents coming through the drop-off lines or coming into park at the schools, and they'll mark down who's not wearing a seatbelt and in you know, just numbers. And then they'll do their programs throughout the year, and then at the end of the year, they go out and do that observation survey again to see how big of an impact it has. Uh, on, on the students and on the faculty and staff. And it's really interesting to to see those reports come back and see how big of an impact that peer-to-peer instruction has had uh, and how big of a, a change it makes within the, the population there. It's really, really interesting program.
0: And there have been some campaigns run. I know what, Click It or Ticket?
3: Yep, Click It or Ticket is a national campaign that runs um, during the month of May, and that's uh, something that law enforcement agencies around the nation participate in. And uh, it's sponsored by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And each year in Oklahoma, we have uh, at least 100, 150 agencies, including the Highway Patrol, that put extra officers and and boots on the ground just to look for uh, seatbelt use and write those tickets. And like Lieutenant Lyle said, it's a $20 ticket. At the end of the day, it's not about collecting $20. It's about making sure that all those people go home safely at the end of the day and they make it to and from where they're, they're going each day.
0: And I know a lot in your office, too, like you assist other agencies throughout the state in this kind of educational stuff and assisting them where they need help enforcing these things.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So the Highway Safety Office, um, one of the things we're 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 here for is to pass through these federal uh, funds from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to local agencies, um, including the Highway Patrol. But these smaller municipal police departments and sheriff's offices Um, Those are the ones that get a lot of our funds just for this overtime enforcement. Um, It's the same sort of program that Lieutenant Lyles is over, um, but on a local level. So it's really interesting to see how those dollars are used and a lot of it's education, but also a lot of it's enforcement um and it's not just seat belts that we we work through but it's you know, impaired driving motorcycle safety and distracted driving but you know, occupant protection plays a big big role in that it's something that Lieutenant Lyles mentioned earlier is um, police officers not wearing seat belts in order for an agency to get a grant from the highway safety office it must be written in their policy that all officers wear their seat belts at all times while on patrol
0: Lieutenant Lyles, you mentioned you have a a new driver at your house what do you what do you tell is it a son daughter daughter Man, being the daughter of a state trooper, I think you better be on your, you better be on your toes. <laughs> he's he's that, smiling. <laughs>
1: that is the, um, y- you would think, right? <laughs> but uh, she's, she's mature. Um, she's, she's smarter than I can ever dream of being at that age. Uh, and, and she, I, I try to model the best behavior that I can driving, um, kind of a driving nerd as it is, uh, When we're on road trips, I'm not the favored driver because we don't get there fast enough. (laughs) Uh, You know, when you make that complete stop at a stop sign, I mean, I'm the person that gets that hard stare from everybody else in the car. Really? (laughs) Because it's a four-way stop in the middle of the night and there are no other cars. But, but, you know, I still make that complete stop. And so I, I... I try my hardest to practice what I preach, especially when I'm in a car with me. And uh, we do a lot of driving quizzes. My, if she's driving or I'm driving and my daughter's in a car with me. I'm, I'm peppering him with questions. Um, I'm having him watch other vehicles because we can predict what a vehicle is going to do just by looking at the actions of the driver of that vehicle. If we can see in the car, we can. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times and, and troopers can do this, but they don't always know why they can do it. That car's about to change lanes right in front of me. I see this happening. So uh, I teach my daughters, go ahead and give it to them. Give them that lane. They're coming over regardless if you let them or not. Just give them that lane. It's, it's crash avoidance is what it is. And, uh, of course, we hear growing up, you know, different, different parents, we hear, well, it wouldn't have been my fault. It, it really doesn't matter if you're involved in a crash sure. whose fault yeah. it is at that, point. Matter, that um, point whether you're injured or not uh, your car is going to be damaged and wherever you are going you're late because you're going to be waiting you're going to you're going to do the insurance exchange and driver's license exchange and uh, if you're waiting to wait for the police officer to show up you're going to you right now you're going to wait a while on us because uh, i don't know if you've heard but we have a staffing issue in the highway patrol where we need people and uh, you, you may wait a while. So it, if you cannot be in that crash, I think that's just the best scenario. And
2: that's that same philosophy with seatbelts. You know, I'm a safe driver, I, whatever. Well, you can't predict what that guy <laughs> in front of you. I mean, yeah, you kind of know what they're going to do. But if you get in a crash, I mean, wouldn't it be better if you had your seatbelt on? Because the the driver in front of you made, a, made an error.
1: I can only control the car I'm in. I can't control the thousand other cars on the roadway with me. Um, I can wear the seatbelt in my car. Um, all my passengers, we restrained in my car. But I can't control anything outside of my car.
0: So we know we don't have 2020 crash numbers for our state, for Oklahoma yet, but um, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration did just release 2020 numbers for the nation, correct?
1: Yes, for the first nine months. Uh, it, it takes a while to compile those numbers, because. How they do that? They they actually analyze every crash, and the acronym is FARS. F A R S. In the first nine months of 2020, the national fatality rate increased 13.1 uh, percent from those numbers of nineteen of 2019. Wow! And the dramatic increase was from September to July of this last year, uh, due to the pandemic, far fewer people were flying anywhere when they traveled. Uh, in 2019, in that uh, three-month period, the fatalities nationwide were 9,953. In 2020, the numbers were 11,260, 13% increase. Uh, and that also coincides with the 100 deadliest days of the year on US roadways, which is from Labor Day, Memorial Day to Labor Day. And uh, that's when people go on summer vacations, more vehicles on the road during that time. You've got your 4th of July mixed up in that too. So, you know, Memorial Day is a huge DUI uh, holiday period for us. July 4th, uh, I believe, may be the deadliest day of the year on U.S. roadways for impaired driving. And then you go right into Labor Day. So that 100 days is that pretty much a summer vacation, traditional in the United States. The problem with this is it's is also measures how many million miles are traveled by vehicles. Well, during that period we had thirty million miles less traveled than the previous year, yet our fatalities increased by thirteen one percent in that three month time span. And that's that's actually horrible. It means we're traveling yes less, but we're dying significantly more more often. There are some reasons for that. The pandemic nationwide traffic enforcement almost came to a halt. And I'm going to lead up to like my final point here with this. Traffic enforcement came to pretty much a halt during the pandemic because we're worried about our own safety. I mean, if you remember back in March and April last year, the numbers weren't half of what they were in these last three months. So we had to reduce presence on the roadway. What I'd like to close and say. So when we're talking about seatbelt usage, the research shows that the best way to increase usage of restraint systems and vehicles is aggressive enforcement by the police that are on traffic patrol and education. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with the Safe projects. You know, we're talking about modeling behavior for everybody. I'm hoping all police officers are wearing their seatbelts. And then uh, and if you're on traffic patrol, it's important to enforce the seatbelt laws, child restraint laws.
2: And like we've talked about on this podcast before, that goes hand in hand. Aggressive enforcement is education, like very much so. When we're we're stopping someone in violation of the seatbelt law, that's exactly why. And we're trying to stop them to educate them. Listen, this is dangerous. You know, we understand that maybe $20 isn't punitive to you, but it is dangerous. It's going to cost your life. And so it does go hand
1: in hand.
0: This is an important topic. And um, we thank you, Lieutenant Lyles, for coming on the podcast with us and, and chatting about this.
1: Thank you for having me.